Welcome to the Perpetually Sore Podcast, your source for martial arts and combat sports news, reviews, interviews, and supplementary training guidance, covering topics for both on and off the mat. Now here's your host, John Machino. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Perpetually Sore Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Machino. I'm excited because this is the first episode on this platform and in this format. This has been something I've been trying to launch for a while, and thanks to being on vacation from my day job and having to be off the mats for a couple of weeks due to an injury, I can get everything in place and get this launched. I'm actually sitting in front of where I train while my daughter is in there taking a jujitsu class, so I'm both jealous and thankful that I can get time to record this tonight. For the first episode, I was planning on covering some of my background, my history with martial arts and training and all that other kind of fun stuff. But what I think I'm going to do with this first episode instead is just to jump right into a topic that is fairly time sensitive. I want to make sure I get it out there while it's still relevant and the other stuff can always wait. That will also... Give me some time to maybe hear from some of our listeners and see what they'd like me to cover when I do the About Me episode. For this episode, I wanted to cover an interesting topic that has come up in the jiu-jitsu community. Um, I'm going to be covering all types of combat sports and martial arts and strength and conditioning training and all that other kind of fun stuff. But today's episode really was triggered by something I'm seeing going out in the jiu-jitsu community, which is NFTs. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that wouldn't be too surprising. Um, An NFT stands for non-fungible token, and that's a horrible title, but uh, that is what happens when tech people (laughs) decide to name the things that they invent. Um, So if you have no idea what that means, you aren't alone, and... We're going to cover all the basics here as well as what they are doing in our BJJ space at the moment. Essentially, an NFT is a way for an artist, a content creator, really anyone who wants to sell something in the digital realm, to have a way to be able to verify ownership of that digital asset or digital token. Um, What's the difference between those two things? A digital asset is usually like a digital work of art or a digital music file where a digital token just might be something that confirms ownership of that thing, right? It's a kind of a certificate, a ticket, a pass that you can be confirmed as the owner for. Um, One of the big challenges, right, in the digital content space is that digital items, you know, They can be replicated over and over again, infinite times without the quality changing. And really, as an owner of whatever is digital, you don't have a whole lot of say over that. You know, I myself am a musician. My band records and releases a lot of music. Once we release that music, it's out there. It, you know, people can copy it, download it, upload it somewhere else do whatever they want to, basically. So when you see an image on the internet or hear a song that you like and download that file from the internet, right? the person who created that content usually has no idea that you have it 
And if it comes to something like ownership, you know, do they still own it? Do you own it? Who owns it, right? Lots of questions come up around that. And then you get into other topics, right? Like how do you manage sales of these digital assets or tokens? How can, you know, a creator identify who has purchased it, who owns it, you know, who holds who holds it as like the master copy. Um, all, all of these things are challenges and problems that have been out there for a while. And NFTs try to address these questions. And, you know, I'd say they do, they do it in a fairly good way. Um, they're a way for someone who creates this digital content or a digital asset to introduce it into the digital space in a way that they can define ownership they can sell it. They can transfer it. If they sell it to someone and that person resells it, they can confirm that that has happened and who is the actual owner at any given time. And depending on how you set up the NFT, if someone does resell it, you can recoup part of that sale, right? So you can say, hey, I'm selling it for this fee to you. If you sell it in the future, I get, as the original creator, 15% of whatever that sale is. And if that person resells it, I get 15% of that sale, right? It's it's a nice way to uh, stay engaged both in knowing who owns it as well as being compensated for the sale of your work. The nice thing about NFTs and, and really one of the, the points that is most important and why they're being used for the jujitsu space right now is at any given time, the person who created that NFT can find out who holds it as the owner of the token. So again, if I make a song and I sell that song, register an NFT, you know, a token that indicates who owns that song, I sell it to someone, they sell it, it gets sold again, it gets sold again. At any given time, I can kind of go out there and say, hey, tell me who the owner of this is and I can confirm that owner. And, and that's something that just is unheard of generally for the digital asset space. Um, so you can actually trade and manage NFTs like a stock, for example, right? You can release uh, X amount of NFTs. A bunch of people can buy them for a certain price. Once they're sold out, they're sold out. They become rare. People who don't own them want them. So the price goes up. Maybe one of the owners of the original set says, hey, they're willing to pay quite a bit more than I bought it for. I'd rather have the money than owning this thing. They sell it to them. That transfer is easy to track and you can tell that the original owner no longer holds it that the new owner does. So what does all of this have to do with combat sports, martial arts, or specifically jujitsu? Because we're seeing it in the jujitsu space. Well, right now, we're seeing people that are using NFTs as a way to sell access to private, let's call them VIP groups or communities of people. And by buying the NFT, you get access to this private community and members of that private community get certain perks or services to deliver, deliver to them and only them. So if you hold this NFT, you'll have access to things that someone who doesn't have that NFT can't access. And to be less abstract and really get into an example of one, a couple of days ago, 
was the first jujitsu related NFT that came out that uh, I'm aware of. It came from the highly regarded and well-known BJJ instructor, Tom DeBlas. If you do jujitsu, you probably know who I'm talking about, right? He has some of the best-selling instructionals on BJJ Fanatics. He's trained some of the most recognized names out there in the jujitsu competition scene. He has quite the accomplished competition record himself, and, and he's been doing jujitsu for a long time. So um, if you follow jujitsu at all, you've probably heard of Tom. His seminars, they sell out constantly in advance, and he has a whole affiliate network of schools. Those schools are highly regarded, and they put out some of the most notable jujitsu stars. So what Tom did was he created 100 NFTs, and if you purchase one of these NFTs, you'll get access to a private community that Tom is going to oversee and directly interact with the NFT holders with. So Tom, if you're familiar with him, you know he does a lot of posting on Instagram and Facebook. He's pretty active interacting with people on the BJJ Fanatics Facebook page, especially if it's related to his instructionals. But if you send him a message through Instagram, you're probably not getting a response, right? He's a busy guy. He teaches tons of classes. He teaches tons of seminars and he's managing his business. So getting guaranteed access to him is not easy, right? You'd probably have to go to his school or book his time when he's in a town for a seminar, you know, reach out to him, see if you can get a private lesson. You know, there, there's probably ways, but it's not easy and really it, it's very limited. So what Tom has done is he is doing this NFT project where he's going to have this community where 100 people who possess this NFT, which as I was talking earlier, he can confirm who the owners are. He can make sure that the people in the community are only those that have access to that NFT, who have an ownership of that NFT. He'll talk to them, right? He He's mentioned that he is setting up a Discord server. If you're unfamiliar with that, it is a kind of a a chat room, right? A private chat room. So these 100 people will be able to jump into this chat room, talk to Tom directly, talk to each other, exchange thoughts and ideas, probably ask questions, uh, request him to post some uh, hints or tips or instructional type of material. Really, I don't know what will be going on in there because he hasn't launched it yet. It will be launched in January. But essentially, he's said that he is going to be less active on public social media where he really doesn't control the content too well and that he doesn't have time to interact with people. And of course, there's trolls, right? Probably people just pulling him into conversations or, or posting things that really make no sense. Uh, once you lock off a private community the way that he's doing, those people that are in there are going to be people who want to be in there. And Tom, I'm sure, will have the ability to kick people out if a troll grabs one of these NFTs. It would be interesting to see if he did because they did pay for entrance, but um, most people are not going to pay the price needed to obtain one of the NFTs just to go in there and make a few wisecracks or, or off-color comments, right? Um, 
So he has confirmed that buying one of his NFTs will grant you access into this private online group where you'll have direct interaction with him. And and who knows? Um, I'm sure it could be used for, for some other things. And we'll, we'll talk about a project in a little bit where we, we are seeing that. Um, so all this sounds great, though, doesn't it? Right, you just go, you buy one of Tom's 100 spaces. If you're one of the first 100 to buy one, you get direct access to him. Um, great. But there are some complications, right? The main one being most people... I would say in general, and, and certainly within the jujitsu community as well, probably don't know how to get an NFT, right? You just don't walk into a store and pick it up off the shelf. It, it's complicated. Um, trying to keep it as simple as possible, I'd probably explain it like this. So they're stored on a thing called a blockchain network, which is a bunch of people who host multiple copies of everything on the blockchain. So no one person can corrupt or change the blockchain because say there were a hundred copies of a ledger out there and one guy changed an entry on their copy. Well, the other 99 copies would say, hey, that one copy is not valid, right? And that's very simplistic the way it's actually done is very technical and complicated and there's a lot of number theory and um, security in place and synchronizations in place. But but basically you can just say, hey, there's tons of copies of a journal that tracks these things, you know, being NFTs and cryptocurrency. And anytime there's new ads, deletions or changes, there are processes in place to distribute that to the decentralized network. And if someone ever needs to look something up on the blockchain, there are methods to do that. So if you have created an NFT and you post it to a blockchain and people are buying it and selling it and trading it and all of a sudden you need to find out, hey, I wonder who the owner of that is. I need to get in touch with them to deliver the service that goes along with it. You can do that, right? You go in and you say, hey, here's the NFT I launched. Tell me who owns it and and you can confirm ownership. So the challenge is that these systems and software, they have mainly been made by really technical people who were, I would say, more interested in making sure blockchains work than making sure they were easy to use. Most of the apps are not user-friendly and a lot of the backend complexity is really put in the user's face, right? They will see the terms of blockchain and NFT and uh, transactional pricing details. And you have to wait for transactions to get confirmed and distributed to a certain amount of nodes, right? Certain number of blockchain locations before the transaction would be considered confirmed. Because if only a few people have it in the distributed network, then the verification won't work, right? You, you wouldn't be able to have enough people who can confirm it. So all of these kind of things are, are really tough to grasp if you're not familiar with what's going on. Um, NFT technology is really based upon the same technology that's doing cryptocurrency. So if any of you have ever traded Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other 
cryptocurrencies, NFTs really won't be too much of a stretch for you. It's it's essentially the same thing, but rather than trading currency, you're just trading a token that represents something, usually a digital asset or um, as in the case of what Tom is doing, basically a ticket to get a service from him. So where does this leave people who want to buy an NFT? Well, basically, there are multiple blockchains, right? There's not just one big one, right? Bitcoin is on the Bitcoin blockchain. Ethereum is on the Ethereum blockchain. If you have an NFT registered on the Ethereum blockchain, then you generally would have to purchase that NFT with Ethereum because that's the cryptocurrency on the same blockchain. Um, So... When Tom launched his, he decided to use a Ethereum side chain, which means it's not the primary Ethereum chain, but it is compatible with it, but it has a different name. It's called Polygon, and uh, basically you transfer, first you obtain Ethereum, then you convert that Ethereum to the polygon sidechain for Ethereum, and then you can uh, use, you know, a store, an e-commerce type of approach to paying for the NFT that's on the polygon blockchain with polygon funds. Um, If you think about it in the real world, uh, essentially say someone has something you want to buy and they keep it at a bank in a safe deposit box and they want you to go to the bank and pay them, and then they'll put that thing in your safe deposit box, right? So um, the thing you're buying would be the NFT. The safe deposit box where it's stored would be considered a digital wallet in the NFT space, right? So that's how you keep track of what you have, right? It's um, it's a place where you can see how much money you have in it and how in any NFTs you own, right? Those are stored in a digital wallet. So, so that's kind of like an account or a safe deposit box at a bank. And the bank itself would be the blockchain, right? So here's the complexities, right? I want to buy something from Tom. He keeps it at a bank. I have to go to the bank he uses. I have to pay him in a currency the bank accepts. And then the bank will, you know, facilitate moving that thing that was in his safe deposit box to mine, right? We're basically doing that, but in the digital space when it comes to NFTs. So some of the challenges that we saw in Tom's NFT drop is since they're using the Polygon blockchain, you know, people needed Polygon cash and they needed to know how to get to the Polygon blockchain to see what was available and do the transfer and purchase. And that's not something most people know how to do. Um, There were some instructions that were put out there by the group that's managing this for Tom. And, you know, I, I have a fairly strong crypto background. I've been mining Bitcoin for years and traded it. And I would say that the instruction provided, even for me, (laughs) was confusing. Uh, Never mind someone who really has never done crypto stuff before. So so that was a problem. Um, To be honest, I wanted to make sure I got one of these things. I, I do like crypto stuff. Like I said, I kind of do it as a hobby. So one nice thing was the group that's facilitating this for Tom also accepted normal credit card, right? So so that's how I bought one. I bought one of Tom's 
launch 100 NFTs using a credit card because I just couldn't get the Polygon stuff to work. And, you know, that really secured it for me. Um, I had traded a couple messages with the guys about some of the problems I was having. And they, you know, were looking into it and they would say, hey, you're not going to lose your spot or anything. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get you covered. We'll work through the issues with you. But but in the end, I just said, hey, I'll just buy it with the credit card. It's no big deal. Um, I'll convert the cryptocurrency that I had in my wallet that I was going to use to spend it into normal cash and, you know, use that to pay the credit card. No big deal. Very easy. Um, so... Then the day after, so that was day one of the drop and, you know, I, I got mine. I'm sure some other people certainly got them with credit cards. I don't know if anybody got them through the Polygon network with cryptocurrency. But the next day an email comes out basically that says, hey, lots of people were having problems. We're going to pivot and fix this. What we're going to do is we're not going to use the Polygon sidechain. We'll use the standard Ethereum network. And hopefully that's easier for people. I would say from my perspective... Yes, it probably will be easier for people because that's a whole bunch of steps that people don't need to go through. They can just buy Ethereum and then go to uh, the marketplace, buy it right there. They don't have to worry about Ethereum to Polygon, nothing like that. Um, but in general, I would still say the biggest barrier to entry as seen with Tom's NFT drop was that, you know, it's just not user-friendly, pretty complicated I'm sure you would have expected to sell out of those 100 spots pretty quickly the first day. Um, I bet that would have happened if it was easier. But the fact that, you know, day two, that message came out of, hey, we're, we're switching tactics to try to make this easier just kind of shows the stumbling blocks. But so far, so good. And I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what he's going to do with it. That's one of the reasons why I picked it up. It's, it's kind of a new space. So I will... Uh, Keep everybody updated on this podcast as we get into January when his private community is supposed to launch. Maybe they'll do a check-in once a month. Just, hey, here's where the NFT has led us and uh, keep everybody posted on that. So that was my story of getting that NFT. Um, now, let's look at the next one that's going to be coming up, which will be December 28th. And I really like this one a lot. Um, it was actually the first one I heard of. So Tom releasing an NFT that would get you access to him really popped up as a surprise. I, I forget how many days notice he gave, but it wasn't too many, right? I think I saw it maybe a day or two before it was actually live and uh, just scrambled to grab it because I already had the crypto. And like I said, uh, want to see where he takes those things. But the one I was planning to get and still am planning to get is being released by Drew Weatherhead, who hosts the Because Jitsu podcast. You've probably heard of him again if you're in the BJJ scene. Drew does a bunch of online uh, tutorials and instructionals, and he's got the biggest meme page in the BJJ community. He's a well-known jujitsu black belt, and right now he's traveling across the United States with his family in a, a camper hitting a ton of well-known schools and he talks about it on his because jitsu podcast uh, i definitely suggest you go take a listen to that and if you want to hear his history about his nft he does cover it really well so i won't get into the details or spend too much time on it uh but 
as a high-level summary, he what he's done is he's releasing 420 NFTs, which are each represented by a unique digital picture of an ape in a gi, basically. But the background color changes, the gi color changes. Some have glasses, some don't. Some have like a look like a bruised eye. You can see them all out there because he's already posted what all of the 420 NFTs look like, which I find really interesting because NFTs primarily are used for managing ownership of digital assets like art. Uh, in the case of Tom's, I think the NFT is going to come across as a picture of Tom. Maybe everybody gets the same picture. Like the image itself really wasn't the point of Tom's drop. But in Drew, he's balancing both the perks you get by owning the NFT, but also the NFT itself comes from a limited collection of digital art. And, you know, maybe you want to start collecting some of them. Um, the other interesting thing that he's done is all 420 of these ape shakas digital art images he's selling, well, they don't all act the same, right? Which is kind of cool. So Tom's 100 NFTs are 100 tickets to his private community. Drew's 420 NFTs are split up so that there's 400, you know, common, 17 rare, and three super rare. And you'll get different levels of perks based on which one you have. And also, if you're collecting them or you want to get the highest level of perks, that actually, you know, means the prices and value of the NFTs will will be different between a common rare and super rare, I'm sure. And, you know, I really didn't get into it before, but one of the biggest selling points of NFTs outside of the BJJ space is kind of like works of physical art. They're traded as, you know, investments, right? People buy them when they are released at a low price. They get the ownership as other people are interested, their value goes up because they'll get offers. Hey, right, you bought it for $200. I really want it. I'll give you $300. Maybe you accept it. Maybe you don't. Maybe someone comes along and offers you $500, right? As an NFT owner, you get to decide if you're going to sell it or not. And if you're going to sell it, what price you're selling it for. It's not the person who created this thing. It's what you as the owner want. So if Drew releases these 420 NFTs and they all get bought up, each of the owners of those can you know, decide to hold on to it and get the perks or sell it at a profit or sell it for what they paid for it, right? It, it's kind of cool. And since they're all unique, different images, it really brings kind of the, the collectible aspect into the NFTs as well. It's not just a matter of a, a ticket to Drew's services or community. Um looking at what you'll get with with those is quite a bit different than Tom, right? Tom has basically said, hey, this NFT will get you access to my private Discord server where we can talk. Well, Drew already has a Discord server out there and you can go out there and you can talk to him. Um, ownership of his Ape Shaka's NFTs will get you a range of things. He's mentioned that they may unlock access to an instructional it may get you to be able to be featured in one of his memes. As I mentioned, he, he posts to like the biggest BJJ community meme page out there. Um, he's mentioned that it might unlock getting merchandise. So since each NFT of the 420, you know, there's some common perks you get, but there's also different perks you might get depending on which one you 
you have, it, it, it's kind of cool, right? It's, it's, um, you know, you don't know what you'll get, so it, it's going to be a surprise. The perk I'm kind of most interested in, and it's one that he said that anyone holding one of the 420 will get, is that he's going to put together seminars or destination training camp gathering type of things where the people who hold the NFTs can get in. And not only that, but they get in free, right? You just have to travel there, you know, room board type of deal. Um, being the NFT owner will get you through the door. And that sounds pretty exciting. Um, you know, as, as someone who goes to seminars when they're available, you know, I, I kind of like this idea, especially if it's going to be like a destination training camp. Um, the ones I'm most familiar with are, say, the origin jujitsu camps that they hold. If he puts together something even on a, a smaller scale for 420 people like that, it, it would still be a great time, you know, a weekend or certain amount of time where you get together, you do some training, you do some rolling, you have some social activities. It just sounds very interesting. So I'm really hoping that I can get one of the uh, Ape Shaka's NFTs when they come out on the 28th. Um, keep my fingers crossed. If I don't get to pick one up directly, I'll definitely look to see if someone's in the resale area, but uh, we'll see how that goes. So from here, what do we want to cover? You know, I think a common question that would come up is as a potential NFT purchaser, what should you maybe be aware of that I haven't covered or that the guys releasing these NFTs haven't covered? Well, I think the main thing is NFTs are fairly new territory and they do come with some risks. So assuming that you purchase one of these things, there's really no guarantee of what you'll receive, right? You buy Tom's and he says, hey, you can access my private Discord, just you and 99 others. It'll be a community where we can talk to each other. But, right, how often will he be on there? What kind of content will he post? What kind of requests will he accept, right? That That's really not well defined. I, he's a stand-up guy, right? He always over-delivers from what I've seen. So when I bought one, I wasn't worried if I'm going to get value out of it. But that is a risk with just NFTs in general. So um, I'm not saying that I think there is risk from Tom's NFT. I'm not saying I think there's a risk from Drew's NFT. I'm just saying as a potential NFT buyer, you need to be aware that the only thing that you will be guaranteed of when you buy this these NFTs is that you will be the official owner of the NFT. If there are real world perks associated with that, you really have to have trust in the person who says they're going to deliver those perks because um, there's no essentially contract binding that they get delivered in any way. So that's, that's a big risk when it comes to NFTs, especially when they're used more as an access pass versus being tied to a digital or physical product. You know, it, it's different if it's tied to you know, something that is a product, is a tangible asset, because then that thing would become in your possession where uh, access to a community isn't really something that is completely defined and uh, guaranteed. So what's another risk? Well, these things are rare, right? So... I'm sure we will see at least some people 
buying them who aren't interested in jujitsu. They're just going to buy them to hold on to them to resell to someone who's interested in jujitsu, right? All of the original NFTs from a drop get bought up in a day or two. People who were late to the party and didn't get one will start making offers. And hopefully the people who bought them to resell them will take those offers. Because think about what could happen if they don't, right? And I'll pick on Tom's because 100 is a nice round number. Well, what if 20 or 30% of the people who buy those don't care about jujitsu? They're never going to log into the community. They're just holding on to them until the value goes up so they can resell them. Well, then this small, tight-knit community of 100 people who we're going to be talking is now down to 70 active people, potentially. So does that make it less valuable, right, for the people who are active, right? They, they, they bought it with the expectation that, hey, I'm going to be talking to about 100 like-minded people. Now you're only talking to maybe 70 like-minded people. And what if it's even worse, right? What if 80 of the 100 were bought by people who just sit on them and don't interact? So that, that's another risk. Um, and how the person who is managing the drop in the community reacts to that potential will be uh, the definition of success or not, right? Because if Tom, for instance, sells 100 of them and he jumps into this private community ready to take questions and interact and answer and, and he's only getting questions from 20 or 30 people, right? How much time is he going to keep going back to that thing? Right. If there's only a question randomly, he might stop checking it every day. And then maybe if it gets even quieter, he stops checking it every week. I don't know. Just it is a possibility. Again, I don't expect that to happen with him at all. But uh, in general, those are the kind of risks and concerns that a potential NFT buyer should be thinking about. Um, another risk is that they're not cheap. Right. If you if you look at the cost of Tom's. You could either buy his NFT or you could probably buy a spot in two of two or three of his seminars, including travel to those seminars. And you have to ask yourself, do I want to spend this money on this digital thing where there's not too many guarantees on what I'm going to get out of it? Or do I want to just put this money into going to a few seminars where I know I'm going to be in the room learning from them? Right. That That's kind of a, a question that you as a buyer need to pick up on. Um, you know, the, the technical term would be opportunity cost, right? If you spend money on something, the opportunity cost is anything else you could have bought for the same amount. And to you personally, is the value of the other thing better or worse? Um, so that, that's a risk that, you know, you as a potential buyer need to work out, especially when these start going to resale, because the initial price might not be too challenging as a, a barrier to entry but if a bunch of people buy them who want to use them and don't want to give them up, well, they're not going to sell them. And then if the people who have bought them with the goal of reselling them are holding out for a ton of money, well, then you just might not be able to get into this group. So you really have to decide what the value of being in the group is. And I think the risk right now is since it's unclear exactly what type of you know, value and benefit is going to come along with owning these things that might be too big of a risk for some people. So I would say if you look at the price and go, wow, that's a lot, well, then maybe it's not the time for you to buy it. But uh, then you also have to say, if I don't buy it now, the price might be two or three or four times that later. So, you know, it's certainly a, a personal decision that uh, you need to balance.
And that's really the risk that's in your hands, right? Buy it or not because of what else you could get for that same value and what the risk of not buying it now and wanting it in the future would be. The other risks I mentioned, those are all primarily in the hands of the creator of the NFT, right? Tom and Drew as the first two who are doing this, they need to keep up their end of the bargain, right? They have to be as interactive as they think the purchasers of the NFT would expect, if not more. They have to, you know, give those perks out that they promised, if not more. And the reason why I say if not more is this being the first wave, people are going to look at these and it's probably going to determine if future drops are going to happen or what the value of the future drops are going to be. Because if everybody who buys into one of these two at the beginning absolutely love it, the feedback goes out across the community, I can't believe what I'm getting from these, then there's going to be a lot more excitement, a lot more interest. Creators will be more apt to release things this way and consumers will be more apt to buy them this way. So, you know, the, the success of this is really going to lead into how NFTs will be used across the community in the future. So ah, no pressure guys, right? But I do think Tom and Drew really hold the, uh, the future of NFT and the BJJ community in their hands right now. Thinking beyond those, what are their other risks? The one thing that I would note, which has nothing to do with if it's a BJJ NFT or not, if it's a creator token type of deal or a digital asset type of deal, the one thing you got to worry about is if you haven't done cryptocurrency or managed digital wallets before, know that if you lose it, it is gone, right? If you have cryptocurrency in a digital wallet and you delete that wallet and you don't have recovery keys for that blockchain, you're not getting what was in their back. If you forget your recovery keys for any reason, you're most likely not getting your stuff back. Um, being digital, you got to be very careful. Um, and getting hacked is also an option, right? If someone gets a copy of your wallet and you have a weak password, or if you make the mistake of storing your passphrases or passcode where your wallet is, which lets somebody else get into it, your stuff is gone and, and you're not going to be able to reclaim it. Because the one thing that uh, these blockchains were initially built upon was the basis of anonymity if someone wants it. So if someone hacks into your wallet, gets control of it, and transfers your digital holdings to their wallets, you're not going to know who they are just by the destination of where this thing went. And most likely, it's going to go and be split up and shifted across different places. Like the, the NFT, you would be able to track certainly more, right? Because you can validate who the owner of the NFT is. And if they don't uh, have it registered anonymously, you'll say, hey, this guy has the NFT. Um, but like any any money in digital wallets, you've got to be very careful about. So um, I would say just keep that in mind, especially if you're going to get into the crypto or NFT space, no matter if it's for BJJ or otherwise, keep your wallet secure. Whoever the vendor of the wallet is, make sure you follow their advice on how to secure it, back it up, and make sure you keep your recovery keys in a place that won't get lost and also won't get compromised, especially if the wallet does. And I raise those just for general awareness, right? We want to make sure that everything goes as smoothly for people 
and we don't want you to have some good experiences and then all of a sudden find out that you've lost your wallet because your computer crashed and you don't have your recovery passphrase so you can't recover it from the blockchain. Um, you know, you don't ever want to be stuck in that position. So on that note, I guess I think we should wrap up now. I've actually taken more time for this topic than I thought. Um, I don't want to get into another topic, though. I want the episodes I do here in podcast format to really be fairly singular in terms of what we cover. So they're both not too long and not too confusing. Uh, So with that, I will wrap up this inaugural episode of the Perpetually Sore podcast. Certainly thank you for joining. If you've enjoyed this episode, like us, follow us, rate us on whatever podcast listening platform you're using. And uh, hope you come back, right? Stick with us. I know this week's topic was probably a little unexpected for a combat sports and training podcast. Uh, I do promise that we will get into training specifics and reviews of things that are a bit more traditional when it comes to training, such as, you know, instructionals, online schools, products, all that kind of stuff. We'll also be covering news and uh, I have an idea to do segments based on kind of notable people on the scenes tweets or Instagram posts, right? Someone posts something controversial or uh, insightful that we want to dig into a little bit. I'll, I'll pull some of those out and we'll look into them. So uh, stick with us. Definitely check back. All the topics won't be as techy as this one, uh, but as the Because Jitsu Ape Shaka's NFT drop is coming up, in seven days as the time of the recording i wanted to make sure we got this out so people could give it a listen before that happens so take care and certainly if you want to write to us go to perpetually sore.com or find us on instagram we're out there as perpetually sore 247 as in 24 7 um because yeah we train hard so we're always sore so if you have any topic requests or questions about today's content or suggestions for the show yeah definitely go out to one of those places and drop me a note uh otherwise with that i'll thank you and until next time have fun out there on the mats and uh we'll talk to you soon bye thank you for listening to the perpetually sore podcast We hope you have enjoyed this episode's topics. Please follow and review our podcast on your listening platform of choice. If you have any suggestions on future topics or comments about the show, you can contact us on perpetuallysore.com.